Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie. I'm a book-loving, notebook-hoarding reader and writer on a mission to change lives one book and one notebook at a time. And this is the Get Literate Podcast. On this podcast, we explore the power of leading literate lives. We talk all things books and reading, notebooks and writing, and everything in between to make our lives better. And no matter what better means to you, the pages inside books and notebooks can help us get there. So each week, we'll mix together books, notebooks, mindful practices, and creativity to cultivate a life we love. Now grab a notebook and your TBR list, and let's get literate. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Get Literate podcast. This week, I'm here with another episode filled with some book recommendations for you. I think I'm finally settling into a new pattern where I seem to alternate between bookish and notebookish episodes with some bonus episodes thrown in here and there. So today, I want to give you an update on my reading life especially my reading statistics, and share a stack of books with you to celebrate Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So first, let's start with the update before we go any further with the books. I always review my reading life at periodic points throughout the year, usually quarterly or by some big event like my birthday or summer reading or gearing up for back to school or right at the end of the year. So I took a look at my reading statistics very recently, just a couple of days ago, as I was updating my reading log with a couple of new books that I've read. And I took a sneak peek at the graphics and the statistics that connect to my reading log. Now, many of you know, I use what I call a bookish spreadsheet, which is basically my version of Google Sheets pulled together in a reading log that tracks the things that matter to me. The book titles, the author, the genre, who the audience is for, like adult or children's literature, the genres I'm reading, the format I'm reading in, if I'm reading diverse authors, if I abandon books. I track the things that matter to me so that I can pay better attention to them and grow my reading life over time. And I know if I grow my reading life over time, Because of who I am and because of what I love to do, I grow my actual life over time too. So when I took a quick peek at what those beautiful graphs on Google Sheets look like, uh, I was a little surprised. So let me just tell you the statistics right off the bat. For this moment in time today, I have read in 2023, 44 books. Now that for me is a cause to celebrate. I am not the person who is just trying to get the numbers. I would rather read less books that have a better impact on my actual life, but I am pretty impressed with myself with 44 books. Now, when I dive deeper though, I can get specific. So far out of those 45 books, about 65% of those books are written for adults, so adult fiction or personal development. 23% is middle grade, 9% is young adult, and then what's left are picture books that I've been reading. Now that feels pretty good to me. As a literacy professor, as someone who teaches children's literature, I really strive for a 50-50 balance in my reading life. 
50% children's literature and 50% adult literature. Now in past years, I have read way more children's literature and let my adult reading life slide. And so I'm kind of pleased with myself to see that in 2023, I am on a roll with the adult literature and I'm definitely meeting and exceeding my hope to read at least 50% of adult books in addition to the reading that I do for kids. Now, when we move over to the genres, I've got, I've got some interesting statistics. Now, I know this about me. I love realistic fiction, and I would happily stay there forever. And that shows in my reading stats. Right now, out of those 44 books, about 53% of them are realistic fiction or literary fiction. 16% is personal development or self-help books. 7% are memoirs. And then the little percentage that's left, that is a mishmash of picture books, books written in verse, mysteries, historical fictions, graphic novels, and other kinds of genres. So I am definitely still leaning into my comfort zone of realistic fiction here. Now, when I look at how I've read those books, <laughs> there's a lot more that's telling about me as a reader. 83% of the books that I've read have been printed copies. I really love to hold the books in my hands. But I have gotten a little better. 17% are digital books, ebooks on Kindle or NetGalley or some other digital device. And I am still at a big fat goose egg or audiobooks. I have talked about this on the podcast before. Audiobooks just aren't my thing. And I've had lots of really great selections or recommendations like listen to the book written by the author, start with memoirs, with, you know, books like Green Lights or Spare. I've heard people say, start with a book that you've read before so that you can just really enjoy it, even if you're multitasking. And I have really great plans, but I just haven't done it yet. So I'm still at a 0% there. Now, when we go into where I find my books, it looks like about 42% of the books that I read, I just find online. And that's through my book browsing, through Google, maybe it's through a podcast link or a blog post that I found. 31% are from booksellers themselves at the bookstores that I've been visiting and talking to as a result of my 23 and 23 project. And then the rest is a mix of recommendations from fan friends, from families, um, even from authors and, you know, people I just happen to get a quick book re recommendation from. Now, the last statistics that I track is a very, very important one. And it's one that I'm the most disappointed in. And that is my goal to read at least 50% of books written by diverse authors. And I am not making that mark right now. I have read books that are mainly written by people who are just like me. In fact, 86% of the books I read were written by authors who are just like me. And now that's okay, right? We read books because we want to see ourselves. They act as mirrors to us. We, we feel validated. We feel understood and seen and heard. But that's, that's not always my goal in my reading life. I read to learn. I read to grow. I learn to gain a new perspective, to get a different view of an idea or a character or a location or a problem and a solution. And I only read, at least at this point, 14% of my books were written by authors who are not like me. I do have a big problem with that 
that's not close to my 50-50. I have work to do as we head into summer reading, which is why I am focusing on this particular episode with this particular stack of books. I can do better. I will do better. And now you can hold me accountable by knowing what my reading goals are and what my reading statistics are. Now, here's the thing. If you don't track your reading life like this, that is fine. You don't have to track your reading life at all. But I find that what you pay attention to grows, right? What we invest in seems to multiply. And so if I spend time tracking my reading life, it not only helps me celebrate the reading that I'm doing, but it keeps me on track to keep doing it. And it keeps me intentional so that I actually am reaching the goals that I want to reach through my reading. So if that sounds like something you might want to try too, you can go ahead and just download my personal bookish spreadsheet and start tracking your books. It's so easy. There's a space to type in the titles and the authors, and then everything else is a drop-down menu from the star ratings to the audience target, the genres, the format. If you abandon books, everything is so easy so that you could be well on your way to tracking the books that you're reading as you head into the second half of 2023. Now, it was really good timing for me to do this quick check-in. I kind of snuck over to another tab on my reading log so I could see these beautiful charts that Google just does magically for me. Because as I mentioned at the top of the episode, this month is Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's the perfect time to highlight some books that I've read from these authors books that I've recommended to others, books that I've shared. But it's also a good time to share with you what books are in my personal TBR stack as I head into the summer months in order to get my balance of 50-50 reading books by diverse authors who are not like me back into balance. So let's start with the books that I have already read and loved and recommend often, and then we'll move in to my particular TBR stack. So I want to start with a bookish favorite. I love books about books. And I love reading about books about books that aren't just about books, but also have a deeper storyline that I can get into too. And this book did both of those things. And it's pretty popular. So I imagine you might already know about it, but I'm saying it anyway, just in case you haven't heard it so you can add it to your TBR stack. This book is The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey. Oh, I loved it. So in it, we obviously meet A.J. Fickrey, and he is a bookseller who is struggling with depression after his wife was tragically killed in an accident. He's barely getting by. He's barely holding on to things and, and keeping the bookstore up and running. When an unexpected package arrives at the bookstore, and changes his life forever. Now, I can't tell you what that package is because I will completely spoil the whole story for you, but I will say that that package indeed changes his life forever in ways that you won't expect as the reader. Now, throughout the journey, we see AJ open his heart in so many ways. He moves through his grief, he ends up reinventing his bookstore at a local community hub. And we see a lot of quick 
moving parts, if you will, um, of what's going on as a result of this particular package. Now, the story is told in alternating chapters. And what I love is that it includes short memos about the books that have touched AJ in some way. I mean, he is a bookseller after all, and these are interspersed throughout the story. And they not only give you a better sense of who AJ is and how the story is going, but it gives you a whole list of books to add to your TBR too, to at least think about. So that was one of my favorite parts. And it's just, it was his way of passing his bookish insight to someone very important to him. And I thought, well, that's a way that all of us could pass along a piece of us ourselves as well. I I just loved this book. I adored this book. It had all of the things for me. Books about books with a much deeper storyline that truly gave me something to think about and how my own life was progressing, just like the lessons that AJ was learning too. So that's the storied life of AJ Fickrey. Now, I can't really move on from this author quite yet because she has another book that I absolutely adored. And that book is the more recent book titled Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Now, honestly, I will admit it did take me a few pages to really get into this book. This book is about the world of gaming. And I did not know that I would ever want to know so much about video games and the process that goes into creating them and bringing them into the world. But once I made it through those initial pages and I really started to get into the characters, I was hooked. And Zevin's writing makes it so incredibly easy to get connected to Sadie, Sam, and Marks. These are three friends who form a gaming company, and ultimately, they end up forming a life together as well. There are lots of twists. There are lots of turns. There's love. There's loss. There's pain. There's great success. And there's a whole lot of stuff in between, too. Now, Sadie and Sam and Marks, their lives become incredibly tangled together. And as the reader, you just can't help getting your own life tangled into them as well. Zevin's writing just brings you into the story so literally, it's really hard for me, at least, to let her characters go. And the book was set completely in the gaming world, right? And this is a world that I am not part of. This is a world I have no desire to be part of, but I couldn't believe how invested I was and how interesting the content was. Gabrielle Zevin really brought the passion of gaming to life, and you couldn't help but just join in that passion, even if gaming wasn't particularly the thing for you. I also loved throughout the whole book, there was just this, this spirit of possibility, and I thought it was so prominent throughout the entire book that you just couldn't help feel excited and uplifted. Yes, there are very hard parts, but that sense of possibility and what's to come what's what's next to create was so present. I don't think readers cannot help but think about the same possibility for their own life. I really think this book is a must read, even if you don't think it's for you because of the gaming element. So that's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. 
Now, the next book I want to share is a bit of a departure because it is a memoir. And I've recently reviewed a couple of memoirs here, and I was saving Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zauner for this particular episode. This book was beautiful. But I think the best way to describe the book, if I could just choose one word, would be journey. This book was a journey. It was a roller coaster of events and emotions and all of the things that you would come to expect in a powerful memoir. So the author just so beautifully captured her complicated relationship with her mother as she returns home to care for her in her final days of battling cancer. So yes, this was a memoir of Michelle Zahner, and yes, it was a memoir of her mother and the relationship that they had. Now, what I appreciated the most about this memoir and about others that really touched me is that raw honesty, the admitting when things are good, the admittance that things can be bad, and yep, even ugly, right? Because so often memoirs and memories, we want to hold on to the good, right? We want to hold on to the the things that we want to bring with us into the future. And, and I think they should, but I really appreciated Zahner's struggles with her family, her struggles with her identity, and even just the struggles she was facing within herself during this really challenging time. I thought it was really refreshing and incredibly relatable. And since she's a creative, she's very musical, she's very well-traveled, she's all the things that I am not, (laughs) I felt like I was getting a glimpse into another way of living, while at the same time still feeling so connected to all of the emotions that she was writing about and portraying. It was such a beautiful balance of both things. And that's why I thought that this was such a beautiful read. And I'm not alone. It's been on lots of lists, lots of podcast recommendations. And I believe I first found it on Gretchen Rubin's Happier, where this was one of their book club selections. And I was thrilled to finally get the chance to read it. Now, next up, I have a fun little book. And when I say fun little book, I I actually mean a little book in size too. So it was a little book, small in size, but big in information and big in satisfaction for book lovers. This book is called The Clothing of Books by Jumpa Lahiri. I loved this little book, right? If you are a book lover, if you are a bookish nerd like I am and like I know many of you are, You love everything about the book industry. I mean, that's why I have my hashtag 23 and 23 this year. I want to get closer to the authors, to the bookstores, to the publishers, to just that world because it just lights me up. This book is for you if that kind of stuff just sets your passion on fire, right? So this author takes us through what I call a magical complication of book covers. I had no idea what goes into the choosing of a book color, of a book cover and color, I guess. 
When I look at book covers, I just take them in and I enjoy them. Now I've written two nonfiction books for teachers. So I do understand a little bit about the process, how they try to take the content and somehow bring that concept to life on the page while bringing in colors that make sense, that match the author. And they really do try to do such a great job of blending the content and the author with what the cover might be. But that's in the nonfiction world for me. I never quite realized how much went into the cover choice of a fiction book and had no idea that the hardcover books could be different from the paperback books, that they could be different in the United States versus another country. I just didn't know those things, but I was fascinated about them. And this author takes you through all of that magical complication and fascination. The really good things about the process, the really not so good things about the process, and all of the confusing things too. It really was just a lot of bookish fun. Why book covers? Why not book covers? How are they chosen? How are they rejected? How have they changed? And why do they matter so much to not just the reading experience by the reader, but the writing experience with the writer as well. This book was a lot of fun. It was a quick, short read, and it packs a powerful punch if you are just as interested in this kind of stuff like I am. So that brings me to a young adult selection. So far, I have given you, let's see, four books for adults. The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey, and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zauner, and The Clothing of Books by Jumpa Lahiri. Now I want to share a young adult trio or trilogy. This is a book that my daughter passed along to me and we devoured together, which was a really great experience and why I am sharing it here on the podcast. It's also a Netflix series of movies. And so you can read it and you can watch it. This book is To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. Now this book, I love this book. This is a story of Lara Jean. And Lara Jean is a typical teenager who has had lots of crushes before, but she's never actually admitted those crushes to anyone. And instead, she has written a little love letter to each of those boys that she had a crush on. She got all her feelings out in the letter. She sealed the envelope and then she hid it in a box under her bed, right? So she got those feelings out, but they were private, they were protected, and they were never to be seen. But one day, Lara Jean discovers that somehow, and you can read to find out what that somehow is, her secret box of letters have been mailed. Yes, Lara Jean did actually write the name and the address of where those boys lived at the time. And those letters got mailed and all of her previous crushes from the past found out her true feelings. And she had to confront all of them, right? Her first kiss, the boy from summer camp, and even her sister's ex-boyfriend, Josh. So what ends up happening, as you can imagine, is this hilarious and sometimes serious journey of how Lara Jean deals with all of those past crushes face to face right now in the present. And even though it seemed to be the worst experience of her life, she discovers that something good could come out of those letters as well. 
So I just loved the storyline. I loved that I was sharing it with my daughter, but I loved that there was this really strong element of writing and particularly the old fashioned dying art of letter writing. I thought that brought a really unique aspect to this series. And it was really fun then seeing it in action on the Netflix movies as well. So that's To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. Now up next is a favorite middle grade novel of mine. One of my absolute favorites. And this is Front Desk by Kelly Yang. Now it actually, when I read it, it was the debut of the series. So there are more in the series, but right now I'm just talking about the first one called Front Desk. And it's about Mia Tang. She's got a couple of secrets. First secret is that she lives in a motel, not a big house. And every day while her immigrant parents clean those rooms, 10-year-old Mia actually manages the front desk and tends to its guests. Secret number two, her parents hide immigrants. And if the mean motel owner, Mr. Yao, found out they've been letting them stay in those empty rooms, well, there is big trouble for her family. And secret number three is she wants to be a writer. But she's struggling because she can't ever think of a possible way to be a writer when her mom thinks that she should just stick to math because English isn't her first language. So Mia has all of these secrets swirling around her with all of these events going on in her family. And it's going to take a lot for her to get through this year, particularly with some challenges at school. She's trying to figure out how to hold on to her job, how to help the immigrants and the guests, how to escape that mean old Mr. Yao, and how she can actually go for her writing dreams. Now, I don't want to say too much more, because I don't want to give it away, but I really love the the way that writing comes into play here and the possibility that it brings. And I love the sense of community that you end up feeling as you read Front Desk. One of my favorites, so glad the series has continued. And there is more from Kelly Yang that you might love too, like her newest middle grade novel called New From Here. But Front Desk is a favorite that I highly recommend you start with. So that's Front Desk by Kelly Yang. Next up, I've got one more, actually two more. I've got two more middle grade novels for you because you know how much I love children's literature. And I think that all adults should indulge. By the way, children's literature is the perfect summer reading books because we can knock them out quite quickly as adults and give us this really great feeling of satisfaction. and then share them with a younger reader in our lives. So Prairie Lotus by Linda Sue Park. This book is an incredible gift. I loved it so much that I immediately made it required reading for my graduate students who are taking a children's literature course with me, and I've kept it there ever since. So this book is set back in the 1880s. It is a middle grade historical fiction novel, and it invites us into Hannah's life, as she and her father carve out a new life for themselves without their beloved wife and mother. Not only does the reader experience of a much life different than his or her own in our current times, right? This is set way back in the 1880s. Linda Sue Park just takes the character 
which means takes the reader on this journey of self-discovery as we question how the world works for those that are not always universally accepted. I laughed in this book. I cried in this book. I thought long and hard about my own views, my own actions, and I was just left wanting more of this story, much, much more. The strength of these characters is so impressive. The spirit of these characters, and I loved the bits of passion that we saw in the book as well, where her father has a a clothing shop um, and Hannah gets really invested in that in important ways. And it just, oh, it was just brought to life. I could see it. I could see it in my head as I was reading. I could see her. I could see her dad. And I, I wish I could just reach out and give them both a hug and thank them for showing me a different perspective, a different way of being, a different way of living, of seeing things. It, it really was that powerful of a book for me. So that's Prairie Lotus by Linda Sue Park. Now, the last one I want to share is a middle grade novel, and it is just fun. It's a fun book. It's called Stand Up, Yumi Chung by Jessica Kim. And it was just a fantastic book about a middle school girl who is trying to find her way and trying to find her voice. And what I love is that she ultimately realizes it realizes that she can change the trajectory of her whole life by simply changing the way she looks at it. I mean, talk about a life lesson for all kids, for all adults. But there's more than that. There's lessons in life about family, about friendships, a sense of self. All those lessons were just wrapped into every page. And I just found myself rooting for Yumi to find her voice to use it to connect with those around her and just make her mark. And I think that's a lesson that all kids need. And it's certainly a lesson that lots of adults can be reminded of too. So Stand Up, Yumi Chung by Jessica Kim. So those are the books that I have read, I have loved, and I highly recommend that you add to your stack. This month would be great to celebrate Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month but also just to put on your summer TBR stack. I've got four more that I wanna quickly talk about because these four books are written and that are, 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 well, are written by Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander authors and are on my current TBR stack right now. So I'd like to share the title and the author and then give you the quick synopsis from the publisher that made me pick it up. So the first book I want to share is called Late Bloomers by Deepa Varadajan. This book has a striking cover and I, I, I couldn't not pick it up once I read just the first line of the review on Goodreads. An Indian American family is turned upside down when the parents split up 36 years into their arranged marriage in this witty, big hearted debut. Equal parts funny and heartbreaking, Late Bloomers is a charming story about starting over, stumbling, and finding yourself at any age. And that was from Jennifer Close, who is the author of Marrying the Ketchups, which is another book that I wanted to read. So here's the setup. 
After 36 years of a dutiful but unhappy arranged marriage, recently divorced Suresh and Lata Raman find themselves starting new paths in life. Suresh is trying to navigate the world of online dating on a website that caters to Indians and is striking out at every turn until he meets a mysterious, devastatingly attractive younger woman who seems to be smitten with him. Lata is enjoying her newfound independence, but she's caught off guard when a professor in his early 60s starts to flirt with her. Meanwhile, Suresh and Lata's daughter, Priya, thinks her father's online pursuits are distasteful, even as she embarks upon a clandestine affair of her own. And their son, Nikesh, pretends at a seemingly perfect marriage with his law firm colleague and their young son, but hides the truth of what his relationship really entails. Over the course of three weeks in August, the whole family will uncover one another's secrets, confront the limits of love and loyalty, and explore life's second chances. You know I love a good family saga, and this sounds like it's got family saga and some funny reading in it all wrapped into one. So that's Late Bloomers by Deepa Varadajan. That is the first book that's added to my summer TBR stack. The second one, huh, this one surprises me a bit. So the second one I've added is called Oh My Mother, A Memoir in Nine Adventures by Connie Way. Now, recently on the podcast, I talked about books that could explore the concept of motherhood. So this one really grabbed my attention. But when I went online to learn more about it, I was shocked to find that only eight people had reviewed it on Goodreads. 37 ratings, eight reviews. Those reviews are great. It is over four, star, four stars. But I was surprised because I kept seeing this everywhere. Even Oprah's website reviewed it, but there doesn't seem to be much buzz about it online, at least on Goodreads, yet. I'm going to start that. <laughs> So here's the setup. A dazzling mother-daughter adventure around the world in pursuit of self-discovery, a family reckoning, and Asian-American defiance. In Chinese, the closest expression to, oh my God, is Wu Maya. I hope I'm saying that right. It's an interjection, a polite expletive, something to say when you're out of words. Translated literally, it means, oh my mother. The instinctual first person you think of when you're on the cusp of losing it or putting it all together. In each essay of this hilarious, heartfelt, and pitch-perfectly honest memoir, journalist Connie Wang explores her complicated relationship to her stubborn and charismatic mother through oh-my-god moments in their travels together. From attending a Magic Mike strip show in Vegas, to experimenting with edibles in Amsterdam, to flip-flop flip-flopping through France, this iconic mother-daughter duo venture into the world to find their place in it and sometimes rail against it as well as each other. This just sounds like so much fun. It reminds me of the book that I did review there on the most recent podcast called Things I Wish I Told My Mother by Susan Patterson, Susan DeLallo, and James Patterson. And so I knew I had to add it to my stack because I love that book. And I'm hoping maybe we can get a little bit more buzz for this on Goodreads. So that's Oh My Mother 
by Connie Wang. Now, the third book on my new TBR for summer is called The Stationery Shop by Marjan Kamali. Now, you know I love notebooks. You know I love writing. You know I love books about books. So if there's a book that is also about paper and writing and stationery, then I'm all in. So here is the setup. Roya, a dreamy, idealistic teenager living amid the political upheaval of 1953 Tehran, finds a literary oasis in kindly Mr. Fakhri's neighborhood stationery shop, stocked with books and pens and bottles of jewel-colored ink. Oh, could you just imagine walking in those aisles? <laughs> but then Mr. Fakhri, with a keen instinct for a budding romance, introduces Roya to his other favorite customer, handsome Bauman, who has a burning passion for justice and a love for Rumi's poetry, and she loses her heart at once. Their romance blossoms, and the little stationery shop remains their favorite place in all of Tehran. A few short months later, on the eve of their marriage, Roya agrees to meet Bauman at the town square when violence erupts, a result that changes forever their country's future. In the chaos, Bauman never shows. For weeks, Roya tries desperately to contact him, but her efforts are fruitless. With a sorrowful heart, she moves on to college in California, to another man, to a life in New England, until more than 60 years later, an accident of fate leads her back to Bauman and offers her a chance to ask him the questions that have haunted her for more than half a century. Why did you leave? Where did you go? How is it that you were able to forget me? Oh, how is that for a powerful, romantic, historical fiction book paired with books and stationery? That one may have to move to the top of my list as I revisit that setup from the publisher. Now, the last book on my list is Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Now, this was actually her debut novel, but she has written many beautiful books since then, like Little Fires Everywhere and Our Missing Hearts. But I want to start with Everything I Never Told You. Here's what it's about. Lydia is dead, but they don't know this yet. So begins this exquisite novel about a Chinese-American family living in 1970s small town Ohio. Lydia is the favorite child of Marilyn and James Lee, and her parents are determined that she will fulfill the dreams they were unable to pursue. But when Lydia's body is found in the local lake, the delicate balancing act that has been keeping the Lee family together is destroyed, tumbling them into chaos. A profoundly moving story of family, secrets, and logging, Everything I Never Told You is both a gripping page-turner and a sensitive family portrait, uncovering the ways in which mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, and husbands and wives struggle all their lives to understand one another. Now, this one has a touch of the family saga element that I love, but it's definitely a little bit out of my comfort zone with that storyline. So I'm really excited for this one because I know it's going to get me to think differently in a lot of different ways and, and push me out of my realistic fiction, safe, cozy, full circle ending kind of world 
into something new. So that's Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Huh, there you go. You've got a stack of my favorite books written by Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander authors. And now you've got four that are going on my summer TBR stack so that I can enjoy them, I can learn from them, and I can balance out my reading statistics a bit so that my reading life is intentional and growing in the way that I want it to grow. So I would love to know what you think about the titles that I've shared here today. But most importantly, I'd love to know the books that you recommend so that I can keep adding some of these books to my summer TBR stack. As always, you can find me online on all of the social media platforms using at Affinito Lit, or you can head to alitlife.com and share your comments in the show notes. If you're on Facebook, you can also join my free Get Literate Facebook group. We talk about the books we're reading, we share updates and tidbits and fun bookish memes, and you can always pop in there to talk about the books you're reading and the books you recommend for me too. Just look for Get Literate on Facebook and I'll let you write in. So that's it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you've added a stack of books to your summer TBR list. And I hope you have a great rest of the week. Happy reading, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Get Literate Podcast. You'll find links to all the books, resources, and ideas mentioned in the show notes and at alitlife.com. And if you want more, you might like to join my Patreon community. There, you'll find additional inspiration for your reading and writing lives, like bonus podcast episodes, book calendars, monthly book clubs, notebooking challenges, live events, giveaways, and much more. It's only $5 a month and you get instant access to all the previous content too. You can learn more at getliterate.co. But one more thing, if you love what you listen to today, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast or take a screenshot of the episode and text it to a friend. This helps the podcast grow and builds our bookish and notebookish community too. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.